0: Chris needed a night off, so joining me from Future Sox is James Fox. Uh, My name is Ed Siebert. We're going to bring you through 30 minutes of White Sox, come hell or high water. And in this case, it's mostly hell and not a whole lot of water. It's just kind of a drought because all that's really going on right now is stuff like just adding a couple of guys to the 40-man roster that you would figure, maybe rounding out some coaches. I don't know. James, have you heard anything? Are there any more light-hitting middle infielders from the past decade that have been added to the coaching staff in the front office because I haven't seen anything
1: yeah not today uh you know thanks thanks for having me this will be fun um you know I know we were talking about that a little bit before we got on I was, I was just hoping that like the players that they add aren't recreations of Chris Getz and Josh Barfield and Paul Janisch and all these other guys that they just added to the front office
0: yeah I think we said we just don't want nine David Ecksteins on the team right
1: In in the the mold of Jerry Reinsdorf, his favorite player of all time is David Eckstein, and that that might be a little bit worrisome right now.
0: Yeah, on on one hand, uh, they would be scrappy. They would be the scrappiest team in history. I just don't remember Eckstein as much of a starting pitcher or reliever, and kind of small behind the plate. Like we'd have to find some, we'd have to find like a jumbo sized Eckstein to catch.
1: Yeah, and though you know, they would find a way to keep getting outslugged in their own ballpark though, which. I think we've we've been accustomed to seeing lately, which is a huge problem. Well, yeah,
0: I, I would say that that's probably true. Uh, as always, though, uh, Socks in the Basement brought to you by Cork and Carrie at the Park, our proud sponsor. And this week's specials $4 half acre daisy cutter cans, $2 Bud Light cans, $12 comfort food specials like meatloaf and fried chicken dinners. Oh, the food there is so good. And uh, you got a featured bourbon this week of Whiskey Soldier. Go and see Gino at the bar for any of those specials. And then on Tuesdays, it was Mondays during the season. Right now it's Tuesdays, two-for-one burgers if you go in there. So a two-for-one burger and a $4 half-acre daisy cutter or a $2 Bud Light sounds like a winner to me. Or, you know, winner, winner, get a chicken dinner on one of the other nights. Remember, two locations for Cork and Carry. There's Cork and Carry at the park at 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark, which is your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, viewing parties and the offseason, and of course, Cork and Kerry in Beverly at 10614 Southwestern Avenue, traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood. See more. Book your next event with them at CorkandCarrie.com. So we're coming out of the general manager meetings where not much happened other than uh, some feces hitting the floor, metaphorically and probably physically in some cases, and you get stuff like Scott Boris grandstanding and saying, you know, free agents win championships. And then you've got Chris Getz saying he doesn't like his team, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's free agents out there that Chris Getz is going to go after right away, or at least no not necessarily any big names. I think Chris and I have talked, James, about Getz maybe focusing on pitching this year because it's a pitching rich free agent class, but there's not really like a superstar player. But uh you had mentioned that there's a pitcher that comes out of Cuba, has been going through Japan Uh, you know, he's, he's out there right now as a free agent.
1: He's buddy, buddy with Luis Robert jr. But we don't know what he is. Right. Yeah. So Yariel Rodriguez, you know, he pitched in Cuba for a while. So he's like 20, either 25 or 26. So he won't count against like the bonus pool. So he can actually make some real money. And, you know, Jeff Passon of ESPN today kind of reported that, you know, it might be around 50 million or so, you know, I don't know how many years, but yeah. So like he he was a starter in, in Cuba. And the last couple of years he was in Japan and they kind of used him in a relief role. I think he pitched in the WBC. So look, I think there are some teams that think he's best in that relief role, but I think ultimately, you know, wherever he signs, if he's getting 50 million plus dollars, somebody's going to sign him to start. I had heard that there's, there's varying levels of interest, like with the white Sox. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's a top target. I don't, you know, whatever. Right. Like, if they think he's a reliever, he's probably not coming here. Cause I, I feel like they wouldn't pay him that sort of money, but he's just, you know, just another name in this mix of guys. And look, I've, you know, I've heard you guys kind of talking about this. They're going to have to add free agent pitching. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, guys that are going to get a shot this year. Like your Christian Manas and Jake Eaters who got added today and maybe a Nick Nostrini who they got from the Dodgers. But I mean, they have to sign pitching and whether that's, jack flaherty on a prove-it deal to you know get him back with ethan Katz or that's michael lorenzen who's a guy that's always been a little bit underrated you know i don't think they're going out and you know forfeiting a draft pick to sign a blake snell or anything but you know there are enough guys in this market where they could throw three or four guys up against the wall i would think um and add some pitching for sure
0: well i feel like rick hahn would have added a 50 million dollar reliever that nobody knows anything about right that that would have been fait accompli right he's he's gonna come in and he's going to solidify the back end of our bullpen, and never mind the fact that we can't get our starters out of the fourth inning. But you know, back end of the bullpen, great. But I, I, I yeah, you know, we've talked extensively about this because really, you have Dylan Cease. They claim they have Michael Kopech, although I think that's dubious at this point that he's a starter. And you know, there's always been talk about Garrett Crochet moving up out of the bullpen, but he's never started in the majors. And then now you mentioned Eater and you mentioned Estrini. So they've got some guys that they've acquired, but really, is there anybody besides what we know Dylan Sees to be? How do you how do you craft a rotation and say you're going to be competitive when absolutely none of these guys have anything, anything that shows that they are have a proven track record as a starting pitcher in the majors?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think you said it right. Like competitive. I I don't know what that means for next year. I know Chris Getz and some of these decision makers haven't really said that they've kind of danced around it. Now, Jerry did right away. Right. Jerry's the one that said that he hired Chris Getz so that they could win next year. I think everybody else kind of thinks that's nuts. Um, Well, I, I think most people think Jerry's a little on the <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but, but I do think we want to see better baseball regardless. Right. So, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if defense is a huge focus. Um, I know, you know, Chris, you guys have talked about it on the show. Chris gets kind of hinted at it. I wouldn't be surprised. And look, I know we're focused on pitching, but you know, if it's two free agents or trade acquisitions in the middle of the infield that are both known for defense and even a catcher, like I, you know, I've, uh, I've talked about going um, like the, the defensive catcher route. Like if you're going to be running through all these young pitchers and stuff. So, Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a heavy focus on defense to try to improve some of this pitching. There will be additions. We joked about free agents. How many are they going to spend on? Like, I I don't know. Like, I don't know that it's going to be a ton of money on one guy. But if it's five or six free agents, like, I wouldn't be that surprised. There's nobody on this roster. I literally just wrote something for Future Sox where I was just trying to figure out the guys that they'd protect for the 40-man. And there's people on the team, Ed, that I've never heard of. You
0: look at it and you kind of expect this time of year, right? You expect this time of year to see the core of your team that you're carrying forward. And then you expect to see your kind of your prized minor leaguers, right? Your prized prospects, the, the ones that are on the cusp they're you know, eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And you look at the White Sox 40-man roster and it kind of looks like, you know, oh, that's my beer league roster that I turned into the ump right beforehand. You know, this guy's this guy's going to pitch for us today. I, you know, we just met him in the parking lot, but I I scribbled him in. Uh Jesse shot shottons Yeah, yeah. Well, he actually picked. we actually well, I know, saw I know. Him. I, yeah. I, we actually yeah. saw him, and and <laughs> you know, of course, he's got a chance to to stick around and do some stuff. But but there's just so many unknowns on this team that that you're right. I mean, I think if they brought in a bunch of low level free agents and tried to fill out the roster, that would make a lot of sense. But I, the disillusionment of Jerry, we're going to win this year versus Chris Scott saying, "I don't like the team and we got to remodel it." And then, I, you know, I do kind of question like, should they spend on one particular player? Should you know? And of course, it's relative with Jerry, right? Because we're still sitting here going, Andrew Benintendi is the richest contract in White Sox history when the rest of the league is looking at it going, that'd be like maybe the 10th biggest contract I got on my team right now for, for Ben and Tendi. But if they were to spend, like say they were to, to sit there and say, okay, we're going to hitch our wagon to Aaron Nola and we're actually going to give him some years and money. And I know Jerry's got the history. He's not going to do that. But that's kind of the Rangers model, right? Pounce on the guys that are key for for when you feel like you're going to actually have a shot at winning when they're available, right? So does Getz do that? I think that's going to be the big question too.
1: Yeah. Like you get, look, you can only sign guys when they're available. Right. Like we always kind of, we kind of talked about that a lot, like in the lead up to what we thought was going to be this contention window. Right. It was 2019. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people who kind of were like, well, they should sign free agents now. And it's like, Oh, well it's not time yet. And it's like, okay. But you know, guys that you like are free agents now. So sign them now. Right. It doesn't mean that you have to necessarily be a division contender next year because, you know, the guys that you sign theoretically could be around in 25, 26, and 27. I don't think the 24 White Sox are going to be very good. But I think the 25 White Sox could be decent if they do this properly. And look, that that's not going to all involve one-year deals here. So, yeah, I think you might be on to, you know, we, we see something that's interesting where it's like, oh, they gave somebody four years and $65 million. It's like, okay, so they are going to spend a little bit. But I mean, look, that's the type of stuff they should be able to do every offseason. That's not very much money. It's funny, like we talk about Andrew Benintendi and we talk about Yasmani Grandal being like an anchor. That's $73 million. Like That's like not very much money at all. And while that didn't work out, they they should do stuff like that all the time. Yeah,
0: well, the free agent market has definitely inflated. So have premiums and out-of-pocket expenses inflated for insurance and for your benefits if your company is going through the medical renewal process and is absolutely dreading it if some of the employees can go into medical bankruptcy based on the decisions made if they are poorly made well do not fear butch Zimar is here whether you run the benefits program for your company or even own the company or buy insurance privately on your own or you are at retirement age for medical Butch Zmar and the folks over at Elite Benefits are the ones you call for all your health insurance needs. It's open enrollment time right now, so now is the time to hit them up at 708-535-3006. Again, 708-535-3006, and visit EliteBenefits.net today to find out how Butch ZMR can help you. So the other thing is obviously the trade market, right? Because we know that the free agent market is always a a question of whether or not Jerry's going to open up the pocketbook. And, and as, and as White Sox fans, of, of course, we've been sort of trained that if they sign a free agent for big money, that's, that's a huge deal. Even if it's a guy that is, you know, just a, a glue guy, a support guy, a guy that, you know, is kind of a necessary evil, like a Yasmani Grandal, where you need a catcher, right. And if you can get one that has some offense behind him and is decent behind the plate, all the better but the trade market is the one that you know the, the other thing that kind of came out of the GM meetings and Chris and I talked about this but we know that he's going to have to make trades in some ways to 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 you know find solutions to some of the Sox roster problems but i, I don't know i i, I want to get your take on whether or not there's any trade value on the 40 man roster right what, what do we because we know Dylan Cease is being dangled okay Dylan Cease former Cy Young runner up has some value to a team, what he brings back, we don't know. And 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 Chris and I talked a little bit about Dylan Cease in the last episode. And, of course, if you want to check that out or any of our prior episodes. You can. Anywhere podcasts are downloadable and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. But what do you think? Like, who actually has value on this team that Chris Gets can go out and say, I'm going to trade this guy, but what I'm going to bring back is going to be
1: useful? Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's a pretty rough situation. I think it is going to be Dylan Cease, and I think we've seen it. Kind of everywhere now. And I mean, obviously you could trade Luis Robert for a boatload of stuff, but why would they do that? I mean, that doesn't, that's the one guy they're not trading, right? Yeah. It like, doesn't make you any better. It just doesn't really make sense. That guy theoretically could be on your next good team, I think. So he's here. Chris gets, I don't think can be something you guys have talked about often. I mean, you know, that's a guy who two years from now, he's going to be free. And if you're going to be bad, one of those years, like, you know, what, what are you doing? You know, I think another guy is Aaron Bummer, who probably has some value. I know, you know, he's like the boogeyman sometimes for White Sox fans just because... His last name him. is
0: just so appropriate sometimes,
1: well, isn't it? Like, here comes we, Bummer. That's we, exactly we, how I feel. And we watch him come in and walk people. But if you just look at the stats, right, like, that's that's beneficial for a good team. Maybe you could get something there. I don't think they really want Aloy Jimenez on this team anymore. But look, I don't, I don't know what he brings back. So... And other than that, I just don't know if anybody has much value. I mean, people have talked about Andrew Vaughn. He's underachieved significantly. Well, I mean, you're not going to get anything for Andrew Vaughn. So, you know, I think those the three names. I think those are, those are the three names. My question for you, like, with Dylan Cease, like, is it worth risking it into the season to see if, like, Brian Bannister and these new guys can like amplify him a little bit to then trade him at the deadline or is it not worth the risk of him struggling again, basically?
0: Well, you know, I kind of wonder if it's not so much about whether or not he struggles because he'll always have, I think he's got enough of a track record that I think some teams would look at him having a rough first half and sit there and say, as long as, for example, the, the spin rates are still there, as long as the velocity is still there, as long as the stuff seems to be there, then we don't, you know, we'll, we'll take a, a flyer on the fact that maybe there's a mechanical change that could fix, you know, if he's walking guys or something. Right. But I wonder if it's, if it's really more as teams are building now, if they're not getting the free agents or if, if you're Chris gets, and you're going to try and pluck some of the mid-level starting pitching that's out there because you have a rotation that you have to craft in some point at some time here. Right. If you're going to sit there and say, okay, Dylan Cease brings me back a couple of major league ready pieces that are, are here now that are, are good players or uh, brings back a nice little haul of prospects and some some folks that are going to help in 24 and 25 that are maybe controllable. If you get that now while teams are putting it together now, I, I you know I, I think you have to pounce it. I guess maybe what you do with him is if you're Chris Getz, you just sit there and say – If I get something that I think is really good and I'm really happy with the haul I'm getting back, pull the trigger now in the off season. If I don't like what I get and I'm going to end up dangling him at the deadline, maybe I'll get something better. And, you know, you kind of take your chances that you're going to be able to pull that together and get something at that point. But I think the one thing you don't do is necessarily go into the 24, 25 off season, still with Dylan sees on the team. And then dangle him then when he's only got the one year left of control and Scott Boris you know, barreling down on on whatever team picks him up. Although for some teams that's not a big deal, right?
1: Um, it, it's not. But you would think with him, like the benefit is two playoff runs, right? That that's right. why you want Dylan Seas. You want him for two two years of playoffs. And, and look, I think you're you're onto something there. I mean, there look like Otani's not going to pitch next year. That's going to be something totally different, right? But then you right. have. Blake Snell and you have Nola and it's it's not a terrible free agent pitching class. There's just not a bunch of aces, but somebody's going to miss out on these pitchers, and then you're going to have Dylan Cease available and you know Corbin Burns in Milwaukee. It sounds like might move because they're in a similar spot to the White Sox, where he's he's got deteriorating control. There's no way they're signing him, so they'll probably deal him. The thing that I you know that I'm interested in is if all these pitchers start going off the board. And then the Brewers and the White Sox make trades, or if the Brewers and White Sox are just kind of aggressive from the beginning with teams who maybe don't want to play in the free agent market, and you could you could see a you know a move happen, or if it's just going to take a little while. I'm not I'm not really sure how this market's going to play out necessarily.
0: Right, and is Chris gets an aggressive guy, or is he a guy that's going to lay back? Because I feel like Rick Hahn was aggressive when he knew what he wanted and would go out and just jump and get it right away, but not always with any sort of forethought it felt like yeah. no. so, so some, sometimes it was like oh you're aggressive on that but wow um but yeah with cease I, I would think now is there anybody here's the other thing too is is that the the other way to trade is trading prospects and bringing back major league help i know we know colson montgomery's coming and that the, the socks are probably not going to deal him unless somebody makes him a godfather offer i would assume But is there anything else really down there? Because that's the one thing that we were harping on. Chris and I harped on this all the time last year, really for the past couple of years, is the minor leagues outside of the top handful of guys that you you would hear Rick and Kenny talk about with a glowing adoration. And again, as White Sox fans, we're so tuned into when we have a Colson Montgomery that he is the second coming. And we, we, we must hold on to him at all costs. And it used to be Rick Hahn would also rush him to the majors and Kenny would rush those guys to the majors. That's why Andrew Vaughn ended up with what 53 58 games in the minors only and look how that's helped him. But is there anybody down there that has any real value that the White Sox wouldn't sit there and be like, "All right, this is you know, this is clearly out of, you know, like say out of their top 5, their top 10 prospects. Is there anybody that that anybody would ever want to bring back
1: even even a David Eckstein clone? Right. So, I mean, look, I think your top guys probably aren't going anywhere. Your Montgomery and your Schultz is. But, you know, the one guy who I've never really gotten a read on as far as what they actually think is Brian Ramos. And so they put him on their 40-man last year. He had a good year in the minors. He's still super young. He's like 21, played at Birmingham. He's another Cuban. And he played well in the Arizona Fall League. But it just seems like Brian Ramos gets going and then he gets hurt. And then he gets going again and then he kind of gets hurt. And he's been mostly third base only. And I know you guys have talked about Moncada a ton, and it was, you know, it was a little interesting hearing Chris Getz talk about him moving around potentially. Like right. I don't I don't know that there's a spot ready for Brian Ramos. So, like, you know, could Brian Ramos and two other prospects get moved for like a young veteran or even a guy with a couple years of control? Like, sure, I think you could see that. I think you could see a lot of buying and selling for the White Sox because Chris Getz is gonna try to shape this team. I guess in his image, that's the other thing that, you know, kind of comes back to, you know, talking about Dylan Cease. you know, like Baltimore is a pretty good fit, right? Like we've all talked about them. Like if you want to trade Dylan cease for a couple of young position players, I think you're going to have to backfill a free agent pitching. So, you know, it is kind of a, just a matter of like how these moves shake out, right? You don't want to wait until March to trade Dylan cease. And then all the free agent pitchers are gone and your rotation is, you know, Tukey Toussaint and like a bunch of his buddies or something like that would be not good. So, yeah, I, I think we could see, you know, moves that look like they're buying, moves that look like they're selling all with just the goal of making this team look different that Chris Getz doesn't like very much. If you want to sit around and
0: talk White Sox baseball, a great place to do it is Hailstorm Brewing. It's a lovely, lovely beer hall located in Tinley Park at 86 Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Uh, They've got an incredible lineup of beers, mouth-watering food, a working brewery and taproom, large beer hall, now offering lunch service. Scratch Kitchen, open from 11 a.m. for lunch Tuesday through Sunday, Tuesday through Friday special. Basically, whatever you order, you get a beer, comes out to the price of the meal. It's great. Check out their huge taproom and outdoor patio when the weather is nice. They've got a fire pit for those chilly evenings. They have live music on the weekends. They have trivia nights, other fun events. Do not miss out. You can follow them on their Facebook page at Hailstorm Brewing Co. where they post all their events. And be sure to check out hailstormbrewing.com. So around the league, now we we saw what Han was able to pull off, getting Jake Eater, getting uh, Nick Nistrini, uh Kai Hi, Bush. Bush. Are there guys around the league, you know, as, as you've looked around, anybody that you see that would be... Uh, a good trade target for someone like who's blocked, or somebody who is is maybe a, a little bit of the the shine has gone off the prospect for him. Because we were talking about rebuilding as as part of the Rangers, and we got kind of you know negative comments put our way towards they'll never sign guys to Simeon and and Corey Seeger's contracts. But the other thing that they did was pluck guys like Adolis Garcia out of the Cardinal system, trade for Nate Lowe, who was not going to crack the raise anytime soon, even though he was a fairly high prospect for of theirs. Do you see anything like that? Like, is there anybody that you've kind of sat there and went, oh, that guy, you know, I, I would love it if Getz were to, to try and go get that guy with something we have, whether it's, it's a Brian Ramos to try and get, you know,
1: another prospect or, um, you know, as part of a Dylan C's trade. Yeah. So I think like something that's interesting is like, you know, you, you talked about Texas. I think Texas has a guy, Justin Foscue is, you know, he's interesting. He's a, um, like a young second baseman. That was a, a first-rounder a few years back. He's He's got some power. He does hit right-handed. I'd prefer a lefty. But, I mean, that's a guy that's not going to play second base in Texas anytime soon. So I think, like, those are the types of teams, right? Like, Baltimore's loaded. Like, Bal- Baltimore, like, I feel like they they prospect hug a little bit. But, man, like, if you look at that system, they're like a perfect match for Dylan Sees if you could get them to give up something because they just have redundancies at all these spots, right? I think – Michael Bush from the Dodgers is another guy who's who's interesting. Just you know, like hits left-handed, plays second. I just think like a lot of these guys that have you know like ready-made young players or guys on big deals, already locked up. Those those could be some of the teams to target where you, where you have you know just just some guys who appear to be fungible that might be able to help you that aren't going to help their current teams. I bet there's a lot more than I'm that I'm like not thinking of too, but it's like probably the right place to look. So,
0: and then what about somebody like say Cincinnati is going to, they've made it clear that they're done with Jonathan India because they've got McLean, they've got Dilla Cruz, they've got Noel V. Marte, they've got Spencer Steer, who they ended up having to put in the outfield, even though he's an infielder by trade. Do you look at somebody like that and sit there and think, okay, this guy is basically a replacement level guy, but better that than, whether or not we think Zach Remillard or Romy Gonzalez are, are real major leaguers at this point?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, would you rather take a chance in Jonathan India or sign Whit Merrifield? I mean, that that's the sort of stuff where, if especially if Cincinnati's going to potentially non-tender that guy, like you might be able to get him for not much or like, you know, a, a reliever that we don't really care that much about. I, I'd make a lot of moves like that because I think there's a lot of runway to just, kind of give guys playing time and see if something sticks that that should be you know this should be the perfect opportunity for lots of guys like that
0: so basically if chris gets goes out and, and grabs a bunch of teams leftovers and and guys that are blocked and tries to just sort of free up some of the young players that or, or even you know some young veterans we'll call it that don't have a place on their existing team he could probably
1: build a, 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 at least a meaningfully competent roster for 2024 right? Yeah, I would. I would think so. I think they're going to lose a lot of baseball games still because I'm just like not confident that they have enough pitching or that they're going to. But I mean, yeah. I mean, the offense has to be better, right? I mean, can it get? I I just I think we keep saying this, and then it keeps being like pretty bad and tough to watch. But yeah, I mean, I I think you know they lost 101 games last year. Can they be better? Yes, I think they can be better. Can they contend? I don't. I don't think they can contend but i think you just want to find guys that you you know that you might be able to keep in 25 26 27 and i just think you take lots of flyers lots of bites at the apple whatever you want to call it right and and you grab a lot of these guys and you let them compete and look maybe it is one 85 million dollar free agent and then a bunch of these other like little moves waiting for Colson Montgomery waiting for Edgar Caro basically what else you can do because I don't think, look, we said it, there's not many guys to trade. I don't know how many guys are coming through that door. So there are going to be, you know, some scrap heap signings and some free agent signings and things like that just to fill out the roster because they don't have enough players. So you don't think, like, uh, Gavin Sheets, for example, is going to bring them back a potential ace? I'm, I mean, I'm just really hoping that Gavin <laughs> Sheets isn't on the team. Like right. I, mean, I think we're all kind of at the oh point, right? Oh, my gosh, I know. Like, if, if I see Gavin Sheets in right field again, like, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing at this point.
0: What's your take on Oscar Colas? Cause I, you know, get sort of doesn't anoint him the way Rick Hahn had anointed him. Did we see the real Oscar Colas last year? Or is that just sort of, here's a rookie that's struggling. Like what, what's your take on whether or not Colas actually has the ability to take a step for them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I hope he can. I mean, he was, he, so Oscar Colas, I thought was overrated from the beginning because people are throwing like Cuban Otani labels on the guy. And it's really not fair for the type of guy that he is, but he also had really big power and he played center field in the minors. And I thought that was kind of a pipe dream. So I'm like, okay, this guy might be decent. And then obviously he fell on his face. It was, it was really bad. And, you know, like one of his issues was like in the minors, he could kind of chase and you know, not have that great of an approach, but most of the pitchers are bad, so he was fine, right? And you just kind of wait for him to make those adjustments in the majors, and then he never, ever did on top of some bad defense and some mental mistakes where it doesn't seem like this manager likes him very much. And, look, I don't think any of us like this manager very much, so maybe I'd side with Colas, but it does seem like Getz seems to think that he's going to be in Charlotte and needs some more time. So, you know, well, I, I I'm not sure if we see Oscar Colas, I don't know how he fits into the plans. Um, I I hope they have an actual starter in right field instead of him. And you just kind of make him force his way. Like he probably should have been forced to do from the beginning. But yeah, I would say he's, he's been a bit of a disappointment.
0: because we had last year. It was like, okay, it felt like it was Colas and Lenin Sosa. And those two guys were, we were told. And then Roman Gonzalez, of course, was Ben Zobras 2.0, which, Not quite, but you know, it was, the thought was nice, but Colas and and Sosa seem to be the guys that they were saying, okay, it's their time now to step up and take these, these positions over right field and second base, which had been devoid of any talent for years for the team, but both guys just kind of struggled. Is that, do you think that's coaching or is it a talent issue? Like, are we talking flawed prospects or are we talking that something like Thames as a new hitting coach could sit there and actually get something out of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it might be a little bit of both. I mean, I was a fan of Lenny and Sosa just because I think guys that do what he did playing home games at double a Birmingham, you know, usually go on to like pretty successful big league careers. Um, you know, and look, Lenny and Sosa might be a utility guy in the end, but I thought there was a big league future and he wasn't very good. Like it's just, you know, I feel like nobody came up and was very good. So yeah I mean I think those are guys like they're on the 40-man roster like they're they're gonna be in big league camp and potentially get a shot. Jose Rodriguez is another guy who you know hasn't played a ton at Charlotte super aggressive like approach always kind of hitting the minors. I just I don't know how much of a chance these guys are going to be given just because I don't know if you're going to add like veterans to play at second and short just to kind of keep some spots warm but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't predict any of these guys to like actually be starters on next year's White Sox team. But if one of them like came out of nowhere and was actually good, you know, I wouldn't be terribly surprised by that either. I just don't think it's gonna be, you know, like a Rick Hahn, Ken Williams thing where you have one of these guys in pen and then you spend all your money on the bullpen or something else. You know, it's just it just can't be like that anymore.
0: I mean, that's gotta be at least the way you put it like that. Like that's the first sort of ray of sunshine i feel like we've had in the white Sox. just the idea that we're not anointing questionable prospects and
1: spending all of our money on the bullpen like that doesn't seem like what's going to happen that just
0: it yeah. kind of feels
1: liberating and good to say that doesn't it it, it does feel good and that's the thing about chris gets like look i look i wasn't a huge fan of the the hire either just because i, I would have you know appreciated a real process right but y- you've had jobs Ed, you don't you don't think exactly I've had a few jobs. Yes, yeah. You don't you don't think the exact same way as your bosses do just because you work there, right? I mean there I'm sure there was a lot of stuff that Chris gets disagreed with, but he had two guys like above him where you either kind of go with the plan and continue working there or you quit, right? So that part's a little bit unfair. The part where it's like, "Oh, he, you know, he was under them, so he's the same." That's not true and not fair. But I do understand why he nor the white Sox like really deserves anybody's benefit of the doubt right now.
0: It almost feels like when we're talking about Chris Getz sometimes and, and being culpable for what happened with Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, it really does feel like we're, we're talking about the white Sox committing a crime and Getz being like, look, man, I know you didn't pull the trigger, but you were there, man, you were there. You're still
1: going to jail. It does. And even with like, I, I, people have like kind of a warp sense on like player development too. Like, He's the player development director, which means, you know, I think he can decide on some coaches and stuff down there and, and he can, you know, kind of shift guys around and, and things like that. But I mean, like the general manager and vice president are still making decisions. I mean, he, I don't really know how many decisions he made, like in regards to personnel, he has an idea to do project Birmingham and gets all the credit for it. Right. And and those sorts of things, but he was not in charge. And now he is. And it's a singular voice in charge, which is the most important part of all of this. So we know exactly who to blame if there's something we don't like. Well, there's
0: that too. Now we can actually play the blame game. It's either Jerry or Chris. That's it. That's all That's all we have.
1: Yeah, it was better than Jerry or Chris or Kenny or Rick or Jeremy Haber or, you know, and it was just always kind of, you never knew. It's like the White Sox are like a mob family because you you never knew like who was responsible. And uh, that's that's where this, that's probably the most refreshing part of the hire is that it's it's one person it's a general manager he's in charge he has a bunch of people under him i'm sure there are some moves that will be directly tied to josh barfield but he has an assistant gm title so this is on chris getz from this point going forward well, I, I like the mob family analogy. So James Fox from Future Socks, thank you so much for, for
0: uh sitting in with me today. Hopefully we'll get Chris back at some point. Who knows? Chris might just sit there and say, All right, uh, I'm back, Ed, you're out, James you're in, and then we'll you know, we'll see how that goes. But I appreciate you being here, man. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.